In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, going solo today. Uh, no guests on this episode, but still got to bring you some Browns content after that win versus the Texans on Sunday. Browns moved to 6-3, and three and oof, I'm amped. I am amped. Going back and forth with people on Twitter, as I am known to do from time to time. Browns off a of victory. I got a ton of energy that I am bringing to you on this Monday night. A good gambling weekend, too. If you tuned into the podcast last week, I had the over on Nick Chubb rushing yards. It was going to hit anyway, but it definitely hit after that final run. However, I did have Nick Chubb on my fantasy team. So if any of you out there bet on the Browns, if any of you had Nick Chubb on your fantasy teams, my deepest apologies. However... It was pretty cool to see as a fan of the team that a player was willing to be that selfless. Uh, No doubt there. And and that's where we got to start. Browns win this game 10-7. Another bad weather game. But this time, unlike against the Las Vegas Raiders two weeks ago, the Browns two-headed monster was back. And the Browns were the ones that dominated and played physical football despite the elements. It was just awesome to see that as a Browns fan. That is Browns AFC North football right there. Hard-nosed, run-it-down-your-throat kind of football, and that's what the Browns really busted out. Honestly, despite the Texans' best efforts, we talked about how the Texans have one of the worst rush defenses in the league, but they loaded the box a lot in this game. They tried to take away the Browns' strength on offense but despite all that they still couldn't do it and I almost feel like the weather in in this game was a blessing in disguise for the Browns a little bit it forced them to you know re re-identify themselves as a running team which we know that's everybody who's watched the Browns this season knows that that's their identity but you know after two weeks ago when they got out physical a little bit by the Raiders things didn't go as well you thought Maybe they might go away from that a little bit. And it was like, no, rookie coach Kevin Stefanski, no, you're not going to be able to do that. The weather's going to dictate. Otherwise, you got to stick with the run. you got to stick with what got you here. And, man, with Nick Chubb back, that two-headed monster of him and Kareem Hunt was so, so good. It felt like they couldn't be tackled at times, to be honest. I mean, the broadcast kept pointing it out. Kareem Hunt, time and time again, kept his legs moving. The pile kept going. The Browns had that extra oomph and just grinded out those extra yards, and that's what really made the difference. And it's funny. I saw this stat on Twitter. Nick Chubb is second in the league, only behind Dalvin Cook in yards after contact this season at 4.16 yards after contact contact and my first thought was where's Kareem Hunt in that stat both of them just do not go down and 
And yes, even without Nick Chubb, it was a luxury to have Kareem Hunt, of course, for the last couple weeks with, with Nick Chubb on IR. But man, the combination, the combination of the two of them is just so dynamic. It's so exciting. They're the best running back duo in the league. First of all, second of all, with the offensive line, it just makes this team so physical and punishing, especially in the elements like that. And and Wyatt Teller was back, too. And we talked about last week how he's so key for this Browns team. He's been so good. He brings that nastiness that this offensive line you know, really needs. And he again, a PFF loves Wyatt Teller. Now, I don't think he played necessarily that good of the game. I thought a couple of his reps were a little rusty, but PFF still had him at a 96 in this game, the highest of any offensive guard. He continues to be the highest rated offensive guard in the NFL this season. So that's that's what the guys over at PFF thought of Wyatt Teller's performance coming back. And it was just, as I said, it was despite all of the Texans' best efforts. They could not do anything to stop the Browns even though it was tough sledding at times and they knew what was coming, they ultimately the Browns did enough to move the ball. So per next-gen stats, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb had eight-plus defenders in the box 63% of the time. That was the most in the NFL on Sunday, and they still ran it the fifth most because it was basically the weather. There was no other option. They had to do that for a lot of the time, you know, with whether it was – you know, the moisture, the wind certainly was probably the biggest factor, but all of that, you know, kind of forced the Browns into into going with the run game. And as I said, rediscovering their identity. Now, I know they only put up 10 points, but I think going forward, this is a super promising sign for the Browns. They're going to be able to throw the ball more. Bakers looked fine throwing the ball. In fact, I'll get to it in a second, but I think Bakers looked better throwing the ball these last couple of weeks. It's just, it's a factor of the weather. And I, and I think it was a positive for the Browns overall, even though they only scored 10 points. I think this was a really, really solid sign from the team about what's to come. And I think, the, you know, the other side of that is, is the passing game. And I thought Baker looked good. I thought he – something that I don't – that I haven't liked out of Baker sometimes is that he's too quick – and Browns fans, I'm sure, all know what I'm about to say. He's too quick to leave the pocket from the back and out to the right. That's his favorite thing to do is bail out there. And for those of you who follow my colleague Jake Burns on Twitter, who does great film breakdowns for the Orange and Brown Report, OBR, or any of the other people on Twitter who have done some in-depth uh, film work on Baker, it's shown that he he does that too early sometimes, right? He, he, he bails out when there's still no pressure on him. And however, in this game, I thought he actually did a better job climbing the pocket, moving forward. And that's the progression I want to see out of Baker Mayfield. I'm thinking especially of that play to Rashard Higgins down the right sideline where Baker climbed up in the pocket, felt the pressure, but kept his eyes downfield and then was able to throw a dart over to Rashard Higgins on that right sideline. I believe on that third and 18 play is the one that's coming to mind. But I saw that a couple different times. It was in my notes as I was keeping track of the game. And that's great sign for the Browns. For the second game in a row, I really don't think you can read too much into the stats with Baker Mayfield given the wind and all of that, but he's starting to show that progression that I, I talked about. I am looking to see. I think we are starting to see that. All right, let's let's talk flip side of the football. The defense. Only seven points. Again, in bad weather, of course, of course, all those caveats. But couple things. Number one, Miles Garrett being back and healthy. Oh my goodness. 
And you can just see the difference between two weeks ago when he wasn't healthy in this defense and what he brings to this team. I mean, he's just, he causes havoc. And, and last week, again, we talked about how Laramie Tunsil's the best offensive lineman on, on the Texans by far. And so that Garrett should go to the other side of the offensive line, which he did plenty of. But he also just beat Laramie Tunsil, too. It didn't matter that Laramie Tunsil is one of the best offensive linemen because Miles Garrett might be the very best defensive end in the league. He is, in, in my opinion. And he he just roasted Laramie Tunsil on a couple different occasions. And I think he was only credited for a half a sack in this game, which is hilarious because I think Miles Garrett put his hand on the quarterback three times to start the play that ultimately led to the QB sack. So those stats are almost not giving him enough credit for how much pressure he put on Deshaun Watson in this game and just totally revolutionizes the defense when you do that because it makes it so much harder to pass and it really forces teams to make sure they're not getting in third and long situations too. So just that was fantastic to see. And, and honestly, even the seven points, I kind of thought it was a lucky drive by the Texans. I really thought they should have been shut out in this game. You know, I, I know they, they went for it on, on, on fourth and goal as well, so, so maybe you could push back there. But on that drive, Deshaun Watson was held up by a Browns defensive lineman and completed a miracle throw downfield where it looks like he wasn't even looking at where he threw it. And Denzel Ward also slipped on that play. So a series of unfortunate events. And then I am fully convinced that the touchdown pass he threw was not intended for the tight end, Fells, either. It was intended for the receiver behind him, and Fells went up and climbed the ladder. There were some jokes you could see on Twitter about Deshaun Watson smiling after that one. So almost a little bit unlucky that the Browns conceded any points at all. And I think, you know, as far as the pass defense Look, do I think everything's fixed just because the Browns haven't given up a ton of pass yards the last couple weeks when the weather's been bad? No, I'm not going to say that. But I think you are starting to see, hey, if our two corners are healthy, if we can put pressure on the corner, you know, on the quarterback, as they continue to get comfortable in this defense, the pass defense is going to look a little bit better. It is going to get better. So I think that's where, you know, you take a couple positives away. And to be honest, if you look at... The passing offenses that the Browns are going to face the next couple weeks, they don't exactly strike a whole lot of fear in you either. So so there's some promising signs for this Browns defense as well. And, you know, offense good, defense good. That's, of course, a recipe for success. But the final piece, coaching. And, And I've been a staunch Kevin Stefanski defender on this podcast, and I know some people were questioning his play calling with how many eight-man boxes the Texans were playing. I really do think he was limited by the weather. But it's the little things. This, again, was another game. The Browns feel like they used to lose these close games all the time. But it's the stuff like getting the Texans to burn a timeout on that fourth down play where they run up to the line but don't actually run a play. And then the Texans only have one timeout at the end of the game. It's all those little things that Kevin Stefanski continues to do well time and time again that impressed me. He's got the details down. You know, you can argue with, of course, the play calling. It's just, to me, that's a little nitpicky as a fan. I just, uh, yeah, no coach is going to be perfect. And, and I think Stefanski's proven himself to, to be a good enough play caller at this point. He knows what he's doing. And the rest of the things, though, those details continue to stand out for me week over week where I just continue to be impressed. I think, you know, a Honestly, I think the team is about where I thought it would be coming into the season. But if you're asking me how I think the roster 
is compared to my expectations. I would say slightly disappointing just because there are some holes that are in it that I didn't think would be quite so apparent. You know, the injuries in the secondary and, you know, all that stuff has, is there for a reason. But there are more holes in this team than I thought coming into the season. But the coach is better than I expected into this season. I think the Browns are 6-3 and three because they've actually got a head coach that's not putting them at a disadvantage every time they take the field on Sunday. So that's just, as a fan, is so refreshing. And, I, and it came on a day, of course, where he was matched up against Romeo Cornell on the other side of things. And as much as I like Romeo as a person, we all remember him as a coach. And that's what I'm used to. And instead, getting this Stefanski-led Browns team is so is so nice and he dealt with the adversity of COVID and he's going to have still more to deal with as we'll get into that next week, but he's managed to to navigate all through that so far in his first season. So only I think good things ahead in the long term from, for the Browns there. But I also want to talk Eagles. Yeah. I've, I've been pretty positive so far in this podcast. I'm about to reel that in a little bit, but first we need to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bet Online. Yes, football is back in full swing. And while you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going to go the extra mile to make sure you can get on, in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Whether it's that or anything else, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, championship futures, anything like that, all day, every day. Head to Bet Online and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And just don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to let them know that you came from us. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This podcast is also brought to you by Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to help make your search that much easier. For example, sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three and a half million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, and we're back here on the rebuild. I want to talk just a, a little bit of a preview of, of the Philadelphia Eagles. Jordan Zerm is going to give you more of that later in the week, so I'm not going to go too far into it. But the big news of of the day is that Andy Janovich tested positive for COVID, the fullback for the Browns. Not a huge contributor, only played 26 snaps. 
uh, against the Texans Sunday. But, of course, that means you got to start worrying about the other players on this team. You know, a fullback, you got to start thinking about the running backs and the offensive linemen and, and all that. So it, the Browns had their facility shut down again for the second time in two weeks. So Kevin Stefanski is going to have to navigate that. And I think, frankly, the, the reason I, and I kind of hinted at it before the break, I'm a little worried about this game against the Eagles. I am. And it's not that I think the Eagles are that good. It's not that I think the matchup is that good for them. But the Eagles are desperate. They're in a place now where they have to win this game. And the Browns are going to need to match that desperation if they want to win. I don't think the Eagles roster is as good as people are hyping it up into the season. I, for the life of me, cannot believe how many Carson Wentz defenders there still are out there in the media. I mean... If you look at the way Baker Mayfield has played this season and you look at the way Carson Wentz has played this season, the fact that so many people defend Carson Wentz and nobody defends Baker Mayfield nationally is absurd to me. Carson Wentz does exactly what all the critiques are of Baker to a worse extent. He's way more inaccurate on intermediate throws. I've seen a lot of the Eagles this season. Trust me, he misses his receivers in the intermediate and areas all the time when they're open and secondly he turns the ball over all the time are those not the criticisms of Baker Mayfield except Carson Wentz is doing them way more often and is regressing in his third year where Baker continues to improve in those areas I just I I don't get it but all that being said I do worry about the desperation coming from the Eagles in this game they still have talent on the roster and they've gotten healthy yeah, this, this stat was floating around before their game against the Giants uh, the other day, but before their bye week, the Eagles had one of their top 11 skill position players playing you know, for them before the bye week, and then they got almost all 11 of those guys back. So that is a concern. The offense that we've seen from the Eagles this season is not the offense we're going to see on Sunday, so the Browns' defense is going to have to continue to play well. And as I said, the Browns need to match that desperation, especially because despite the Browns winning on Sunday, their playoff chances dropped. And you want to know why? It's because the Raiders destroyed the Broncos. And I watched a lot of that game, and it was really tough to be a Drew Locke fan for that one. The Dolphins won. The Colts won. They beat the Titans and made that division a you know a contested division. But they're they're going to be right in it as well. And really, the only competition for the Browns that lost is the Ravens. And you could say that's a good thing. Obviously, the Browns have the Ravens on their schedule. There's some control there, sure. But if you look at the Ravens' schedule, it's pretty soft going down the stretch as well. I'm not going to count on them doing a, a lot of favors for the Browns, even if the Browns are able to pull out that victory uh, against them in a few weeks. So if you're a Browns fan out there, root as hard as you can against the Dolphins and the Raiders, especially the Raiders. You know, they have that tiebreaker of the Browns. It would, of course, be the Browns' luck to, you know, go 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six and not make the playoffs uh, when that is so many years is good enough to get you in. But that's And there's an extra playoff team this year. But it's somehow looking like that's a legitimate possibility. So, as I said, Browns got to match that desperation because they need this game just as much as the Eagles. And it's 
it feels weird to say that because they're six and three, because there are easy games left on their schedule. But it's just a reality. If this team wants to get to the playoffs, they cannot afford to lose games like this where they should have a good opportunity to win. So, yeah, just quickly on the matchup, you know, I look for a couple things now. You know, based on what we know about this Browns team, what they want to do going forward. And, and, you know, number one, you know, the Browns are going to want to run the ball first. How are the Eagles against the run? Eh, like 24th, 25th. And I don't think that's going to get much better. So offensively, I think the Browns could have a successful day there. Baker needs to continue to succeed off play action, not turn the ball over. On the other side of the things, you know, how is the other team against the pass? Because I know the Raiders ran the ball successfully against the Browns. But in general, I worry teams more that, you know, have downfield threats. Eagles not great in the passing game on offense either. Not a lot of good numbers to support them there. However, as I said, getting healthier. I think Travis Fulgham's a big receiver that could certainly give our our secondary some trouble. I think, you know, Rager, the rookie coming back as well, is somebody to watch out for. It's, as I said, I... The Browns, I feel okay. You know, I think they are the better team, but I'm... I'm just uh, there. There are parts of this matchup that that give me pause for sure, and I am uh, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat when these two play because I'm not feeling as confident in the Browns this week as I have the last couple weeks on this podcast for sure. I will I will say that much. But uh, yeah, until then, as I said, Jordan Zerm's going to give you a podcast later this week as well on this feed. And other than that, I don't have any more content for you guys. Just wanted to get a podcast to you after that Browns victory on Sunday. There's got to be something out there, you know, for you guys on this feed because, as I, you know, like I talked about at the beginning, I'm jacked up, man. The team's six and three. They're six and three. It can't be said enough. The team is doing well. Browns fans, you all deserve this. We all deserve this. Let's just hope. Let's just pray this team continues, continues to bring us joy rather than despair, which has been a rarity. All right, that's it. I will talk to you guys next week. But until then, I just have two words for you. Go Browns!